Hello. So today I am going to be interviewing one of my other family members. Um, not immediate family, but one of my other family members um, about his personal opinions and experiences and basically what he thinks of poverty. Um, this is a man in his early 60s. He grew up on a farm and now he's like some kind of director on the board of Metronet. So he's made a very successful life and he's um, very happy and well off. So basically, I will be talking to him about what he thinks, what's his experiences, and I think it should be really interesting. Here we go. Why do you think poverty exists? So, as I was going through my recordings, I'm not exactly sure what happened here, but um, for some reason, there was a lot of trouble hearing him. Um, so I might have to actually just summarize what he said in certain areas, um, which kind of sucks because he was sitting right next to me, so I don't know how this happened. But um, my first question didn't really come through that well, but it was, why do you think poverty exists? And um, I will admit the answer was very drawn out and very confusing. <laughs> um, it was... Um, so the man's name is Chuck, and I will be referring to him as that, um, but he started talking about um, basically a history lesson in a way, um, started talking about power influences in early history um, with like Mongols and stuff like that. He also was talking about slaves. Um, so I was very confused at first. <laughs> uh, but as he was talking, he was basically just describing um, the power differences throughout um, history. There's always someone who's in power and taking advantage of the people who are in power, which um, seems to line up with the idea that my dad had mentioned in a couple episodes back, how he believed poverty existed because of greed and people wanting more money and power. And... I can see that line up here um, due to the whole, like, examples of people basically being taken advantage of. So um, I thought that was really interesting to see that connection already um, within the first couple minutes. So let's get back to it. Do you think poverty is a choice? So once again, due to my amazing laptop, the audio is cutting out during my interview. So I'm here to try to sum up what is being said. Um, I'm still going to try to include the um, audio clips. Hopefully you can understand what's being said, but I will also provide this as a clear-cut way to know for sure what is you know, being talked about. So this was my second question. Um, about if poverty uh, was a choice and what he thought. Um, so Chuck took a, um, I thought this was a really interesting perspective, um, but he started talking about how he believes um, everything is a choice. So he used a couple examples. The one that um, hopefully will be included if you can hear is he talks about um, as a kid, you have a choice to listen to your parents or not listen to your parents. 
Um, and he says that because your parents are there to, well, at least are supposed to be there to help guide you towards um, the right decisions. And this is what he says. So I thought that was interesting because no one else has like mentioned any kind of, um, you know, viewpoint about that before. And um, like he said, everything is a choice. Um, so you make good and bad choices in life. And your good choices, you know, have rewards, benefits, um, such as, you know, getting yourself out of poverty. Um, excuse me. Um, so this could be going to college, making the adequate choices to save enough money to go to college, um, or making the choice to go to a trade school. Um, and he was recalling his own personal life choices of, um, you know, how it worked out in his opinion and how you have the power to change your destiny pretty much. So it sounded like a very um, positive, uh, hopeful out view or outlook, which is, you know, that's a big contrast to the previous interviews where it's more um, a little bit serious and hard to talk about, it seems. So now, um, during this question about the whole, is poverty a choice, and talking about um, life experiences, Chuck goes on to talk about his own. Um, his first job, he was, you know, kind of doing stuff with roads. He, it was a lot of work. He had to work with cement, like tar and stuff like that. And it's dirty, gritty stuff. But he says, like, he just kept working at it. And... He's talking about, you know, putting 110% into what you do, um, being the best of the best. And for him, that showed um, results. He started from the bottom and just worked his way to the top, which um, we did mention this before in a previous um, episode. I think it was the one with my dad. But you, um, he also mentioned how he believes you um, kind of how you can achieve some certain things, obviously to a limit in his case, um, or in his opinion, but you start out from the bottom, you just keep working, you be the best of the best, and you will see results, and that's basically what Chuck is saying here, um, he, like, is a firm believer that if you work hard, you can get to whatever you need, and his personal life experiences have, you know, confirmed that and reiterated that, um, as I mentioned before, he used to work on a farm um, with his family, and now he's making a lot of money as a director, um, working with Metronet. They work. They live in a nice house. Um, they have adequate money. They don't need, you know, they're not in debt. And I think it's, like, really interesting to hear this side. And uh, something later on in the interview he mentions, I'm not sure if it picks up. Um, Thanks to my wonderful, lovely laptop. I still don't know how that happened. <laughs> but um, he talks about how... Because um, I, I mentioned something about the houses in Geist. Uh, and he's seen them. But he talks about how he believes people can be... Um, I can't remember fully how he phrased it. But house rich but money poor. And... Um, Basically, if you're not familiar with that, it's having the material items and showing off, but not actually having 
enough money to pay for it. So, um, you see this nice mansion on the water. It looks beautiful, but the people living there might actually be struggling. Um, they can't afford the house. They might need to sell it, but especially now in 2020 with the COVID pandemic, um, things are all out of whack. No one's really buying a house on, you know, so that's definitely something to think about. Um, the example he gave for that was, um, if you go buy these nice houses, um, he noted that you might actually um, not see any curtains or blinds, and he states it's because people can't afford that. Um, they have this nice house, but they just didn't spend their money well, and I'm not familiar much about that, but I thought that was a really interesting point to look into, and um, <laughs> it's a little reassuring because it's like, hmm, you know, not everyone in this area is like super rich. Okay, so I think I'm just, I don't think my recording is that much salvageable, so I'm hopefully just going to be able to go through the answers or the questions and um, accurately retell basically what he said. But um, we are on the question of poverty is a choice. I've already mentioned that before. Uh, he talked about uh, the variety of um ways to go about it, always having a positive attitude, always showing up, doing the best you can, um, and that you can get yourself out of that. So after we talked about that, I asked what he thought of homeless people, and I included the stereotype of, do you think they just use drugs, that's it, um, if he thought they deserved their situation. So he really hit on um, homelessness was... Um, mainly a result of mental illness. This is why he said. Um, so, even, I thought it was a little bit contradicting, because earlier, you know, he's going on about how your life, everything has choices. Um, you can take yourself out of a bad situation, but in the case of homeless people, you can't. Like, the people who are in that situation um, need help, and he did say that. But that's obviously a direct contradiction to his claim that everything was a choice. And he did reiterate that it was everyone and everything. So I thought that was a bit weird. But um, he said that he believes that like most people, um, you know, it happens. And, you know, something happens and they're put into that situation. They need help. Um, mostly with mental illness, something he talked about the, um, you know, psychiatric um, uh, places, which I believe I mentioned in my last podcast, how, um, or maybe a couple podcasts ago, but one of the reasons for homelessness was because of the closure of certain psychiatric um, facilities, which he did talk about. Um, he talked about how that was also another cause um, going off of the whole mental illness um, and how there are homeless people who are just mentally ill and need guidance. Um, so I thought that was a really interesting thing that he connected to. Um, people who uh, use drugs, he, um, if I recall correctly, I think that he mentioned that it was their choice, part of the how it's their choice to do that and how everything is a choice. 
Um, so I thought this question was interesting because, like, I have brought it up with other people, and there's a reason why I do bring up that stereotype. Um, because when people talk about mental health uh, regarding homeless people, you know, it, it is along, along the lines of um, they need guidance and stuff like that. But um, I remember while taking a psych course last year, we talked about um, drug addiction and drugs do alter the chemistry in your brain. Um, literally, you stop producing you stop producing certain uh, neurotransmitters because those drugs are supplying them. Obviously not in a good way, but because you're using drugs, that's how you get addicted. Um, say, for example, you get a, you use a drug and uh, say you're depressed, but you use a drug and it may give you some serotonin. So especially if you're in an altered state, you're going to be using that more and you're going to be taking, um, you're going to be abusing that drug, but it comes to a certain point where your brain just stops producing serotonin because of it. Um, so, and essentially, um, drug addiction is a mental illness. Um, so it's just interesting to see everyone's different opinions on that. Um, I'm not sure if they know that 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 is the case, but drug addiction is a mental illness. Um, so I know that there are some people who, um, I interviewed that don't believe that people, homeless people who do use drugs, I know there are some people that don't believe that they should get as much help because of the choices they made. So that's another thing to think about, um, you know, getting new information like that about how, um, drug addiction is a mental illness and, you know, reflecting. So, um, going back to Chuck's opinion, um, I believe he didn't, he didn't, the majority he didn't think deserved their situation, um, because of, uh, people having mental illnesses and just needing guidance, but, um, it just seemed a little bit contradicting. Um, when I asked about, uh, the question if he thought people on welfare are lazy, um, I don't think he gave me a definite answer, but it definitely seemed like a yes. Um, he went back to the whole, everything is a choice. Um, people have the choice to make their situations better and people through what that means, like working hard, um, being the best you can be at everything you do. Um, say you have a job at Taco Bell, um, being the best, uh, line cook moving up to manager, being the best manager, and moving up the ladder like that. So um, that's what his response to that was. Um, he definitely thinks that are there are many people who take advantage of the uh, services. And um, he stated that because he thinks people on welfare are um, abusing the services because it doesn't give people motivation to better their situation. Now, I definitely think that this is an interesting point, but I think it can only be applied case-to-case basis, um, just because there are people who do desire more, and motivation is a, you know, interesting thing. It's different for everyone. There's intrinsic motivation to extrinsic. Um, some people might, you know, just be fine with getting their welfare services and living their life like that, 
but there are people in poverty that desire more and so I, I mean I thought that was an interesting take I just uh, from what I've been learning so far and reflecting I just don't think it's an accurate um, thing to say um, so the next question was do you think your tax dollars are going to a good cause um, yeah, I don't think he outright said anything, but it was basically no. <laughs> um, I, uh, he, uh, in this case, he, I remember he started talking about the example of, like, um, you know, free college and universal health care, because obviously with the presidential election that just happened, those were big topics. Um, and he said, he started talking about how it, those ideas and concepts, look really pretty on paper but um when they're applied they're just not good and um i believe he gave an example of some uh, this is once again going off of my memory since my audio file was um crap <laughs> but uh i think he um used venezuela i want to say as an example um once again this totally could be wrong but he used a certain country as an example um, that this country was supposedly very rich, um, in money and resources, and now they aren't because of, um, doing things like that, um, you know, giving, giving services to poor, to the poor, and, um, from my understanding, it seemed like it just too many people took advantage of it, but, um, he used the example of, like free healthcare, um, people are going to be taking advantage of that. Someone, I, I believe he used this example, but he has some kind of friend who, whenever there's something wrong with their kid, they always take him to the doctor right away. Now, he said that if this was in a system with free healthcare, um, these services are being taken away from other people who could benefit from them. And, um, people are just, you know, taking advantage of it. So I thought that was an interesting um, point to it. And um, he also talked about the free college um, since, or debt-free college. But that, like, obviously talking about it, a lot of young people love that idea because college is expensive. Um, it costs about 25000 a year for in-state tuition in most places. Um, luckily, I do not pay that much, but I know for sure that if my family had to pay the full price, it, I would not be going to college. Um, but he was talking about how he would want the money he put into it back. He want if for some reason they had um, some kind of debt-free program, he would want the money he spent on his son's college back. And I, you can, I can understand the frustration because yeah, that's a lot of money. Um, but basically, overall, the answer was no. He does not think his tax dollars are going to a good cause. And then I asked him the question of uh, what he thought generational poverty was. Um, the answer he gave was very uh, long-winded, winded and confusing. It kind of seemed like he didn't really know. Um, but I eventually got to the point of uh, if you're born into a poor family, um, the whole concept is that you're going to be poor. But um, he argued 
against that um, because of his personal belief of choices. So he believes that you can break out of it, um, you know, make something for yourself, create the life you want. And it's a very um, uh, uplifting kind of viewpoint. And um, I thought that was interesting just because uh, he's not usually a little like uplifting guy. So I, I still thought that was a really interesting thing. Um, but he just went on about, once again, talking about all the variety of ways that you could, um, get yourself out of the situation you're in. So, you know, working hard at your job, uh, stuff like that. And I, as I listen to him, I get his point, but like from hearing other people and also my, um, research into the topic, I'm starting to come to the conclusion by that I don't think that's necessarily, um, you know, a realistic thing, um, from my research and understanding of the topic, I believe you can get out of generational poverty, but I don't think it's something that's easy and attainable for everyone, um, especially, um, people who don't have access to the same resources that the average American has access to. I've already talked about this before with technology, uh, transportation, childcare. Like, those are realistic problems um, and have only gotten worse in the pandemic. And these are serious things. I just don't think that a kid can be born into this situation, not know of their options, and be able to get out. It's, I think it's all about knowing what your options are, but I also believe life can just be um, part in this, but I believe life can be a bitch, <laughs> and um, bad things happen, and we can't control what happens to us, but we can only try to, you know, bounce back, have some resilience, but it doesn't take away the fact that bad things happen. Um, when I think about this, I think of um, health problems primarily um back in uh, December of last year I found out my dad had cancer and I like immediately even though I live in good comfortable standing I immediately thought of like how much that's going to cost for treatment and the fact that I'm going to college and although I don't pay the full price I still have that on my mind about, you know, always making sure I keep my scholarship, um, getting as much grants I can, um, just to help out with my family because cancer treatment, that's, that's expensive. And the reality is a lot of people have to deal with that. And we talked about before in my previous episode, um, or I believe my previous episode, but people in poverty don't have access to good health care. If someone has cancer, they can't get treatment for it. If they do, it's going to be crazy expensive. And life happens. If you're a family, say you're a kid um, about to try to go off to college with a low-income family, that could possibly ruin your chances of going to college and getting more education. And it's not, it, that's something that's out of your control. So I like, I think the, argument that everything is a choice it's interesting and I do believe it's true but I just don't think the U.S. is a meritocracy a full meritocracy at least and um 
meritocracy is pretty much where um everything you do is like like you can rise up the ranks through hard work only and that's something in the american society that we really push and that we you know perceive to be true but through my like research and you know talking with everyone else getting their experiences i think that's definitely a possibility but it's not a possibility for everyone so i thought that was interesting after that we talked about um what should happen to lessen the role of poverty in our society and um chuck going off of the uh the main theme of this episode is pretty much the power of choices but um he believes that we should help guide people um and it's interesting because it's it's similar to what uh matt chris and dave said uh dave being my dad i haven't really mentioned him as dave that much but um it was interesting because it, <laughs> it was so close to being similar but their the answers are so different but um guiding people was a main point of it and um guiding people knowing their options which in this case i believe matt chris and dave kind of said this through education um giving people options through education like letting them know their options through education but instead in chuck's case he just said you know guiding people um he also talked about having um uh two reliable parents we also talked a little bit about how there are single parents um that struggle and how that does affect the ch- um the children involved because in his case he was saying they're not getting as much um opportunities and guidance um cuz i brought up the whole how you not going to how how can a kid know um between right choices and wrong choices since choices are so important and um that's when he started talking about how you need um, parental guidance in this point. So I thought that was interesting um, just because it is important for kids to have um, parental guidance. And it's very hard for them to have that, especially in poverty, because you see a lot of single parents. And um, that kind of goes into my later question about, um, you know, regarding childcare. <clears throat> excuse me um but basically chuck said guidance and um letting people know about trade schools rather than just college um which is really interesting because no one else has brought that up yet and um i feel like trade schools are really um overlooked in american society a lot of people tend to focus on college only and of course college is definitely going to open some doors for you but um trade schools do as well um you can get a good job as you know electrician or plumber and make big bucks but i don't think people really know of that option and it would be good to provide these opportunities and let people in poverty know what they can achieve but in my opinion i think they just need some guidance and help from an external force i don't think they can figure that out on their own so this next question I asked him was, have you had any life-changing experience resulting from poverty? And um, if I remember correctly, I don't think he had any. He just talked about how he grew up on a farm. He wasn't, 
he wasn't poor, like, um, I'm pretty sure he's had, like, middle class, like, his family was fine, but he has, you know, made it up a little bit, and I think this is interesting that he, um, he says that, that, um, you know, the choices are what determine, um, basically your life and your, uh, successfulness, but he didn't start out from a, uh, lower, um, class. He started off in, you know, lower middle class, but, and he has achieved, like, you know, achieved many things, and he's now an upper middle class, but, um, it kind of seems to go along with the theory and sociology that we've also talked about, as well as my social work class, that, um, it's hard, according to social workers and sociologists, it's hard to move out of your class system, so, you can start off, you can have a successful life, but you may just still be in the middle class, even if you were born there. Um, so I, I think that's kind of reiterate that point for me. Um, so I thought that was interesting. And I asked him if he thought the government should do more with helping with homelessness. And um, like I said, I, <laughs> some of this, I, ho- I just hope to God it's all right because... Um, my audio file was messed up, but I'm pretty sure he said, um, yes, this meaning like, um, because he thinks like homelessness is, um, a big part of people who are mentally ill and need guidance. So he thinks that, uh, the government should help these people, um, by, uh, creating jobs. And it kind of goes into a later point. Um, and I thought this was an interesting and good idea, but, um, the government should help by uh, providing shelters, um, you know, providing places to get food, um, being able to help the homeless get um, get jobs at least. And um, I think this is really interesting because uh, my later question is, do you think someone can be too poor to have a job? I talk about childcare, and um, he mentions that people like homeless people um, could get jobs like that learn how to, you know, be like basically a babysitter and like learn how to take care of children. And while people are at work, they could have some kind of system where, um, in like the work building where there's a daycare there too. And people who are homeless can have the opportunity to work there. And, um, I think that was a really good and interesting idea because, um, you know, that's solving the problem of, um, uh, a parent or a single parent or both parents not being able to get childcare for their um, kid, but if it's in their workplace, it might be more affordable. Um, they're close to their child, so if something's wrong, they can be there right away, and this allows the homeless to have a um, to start getting money. But I think it sounds really great and awesome. <laughs> but once again, uh, nothing in the U.S. is that simple, so. I think it'd be really cool to look into that, but I know that there would be a lot of challenges and barriers. Um, still a very, very interesting idea, though. Um, later on, I ask, uh, do you think everyone should have the right to food, shelter, and clothing? Um, I didn't mention healthcare in this case, uh, just because of earlier, um, uh, something earlier he said, but I believe he said yes. And this would go in line with the whole, like, the government should 
be helping with homelessness by, you know, providing houses. And we talked about in an earlier podcast um, about how there are there are houses, enough houses um, for homeless people to live in. Like, there are shelters. They're just not being used. And it's, like I said, it's frustrating to see that um, because I don't think any of us want people to be living in that kind of situation but he said yes um but to certain limits um once again you don't want people taking advantage of these um services uh kind of going back to the whole welfare thing you don't want people taking advantage of the situations that are services that other people desperately need um that's taking away from their the seriousness of the nature and um just making things harder um, but he kind of started talking about again, uh, the whole, like, certain limits, because he does believe this, but you also want to have, um, motivation for people to do better, and I, I still think you would have that motivation, obviously, I, pers- I can't personally relate, because I've never been put into a situation like that before, but, um, I think people would still want the motivation to have a better life because food, shelter, and clothing, that's the necessities, but you don't have wants. Like I've mentioned before, most Americans have Netflix, and it's not a big thing, but that's still something that we can all take time for ourselves sometimes. You know, when we're stressed, we can just sit down, watch an episode of Netflix, and things are better. But people in this, um, in the lower class and working class, they don't have these opportunities and my final question um his answer uh, my final question was can you be uh, too poor to have a job my bad but his um his answer to that was no you can't be too poor to have a job um there's always ways to work around your situation you always have choices going back to that um just make sure you make the right choices. Um, find a way to make things work. He believes that there's always a way to make things work. So that was my interview with my family member. And um, I really respect him a lot. So it was interesting to hear his... Um, um, <clears throat> sorry, I've been talking for a while now. <laughs> um, but it was interesting to hear his viewpoint on it all. Um and it it's definitely something very different compared to the other three I've done. Um, I interviewed Chris, Matt, and uh, Dave uh, prior to this, so it was definitely a, a much different perspective, which was much needed in order for me to learn more about this and to make my own, um, you know, conclusions. So I thought that was very interesting. Okay, so. To, I'm on the part where I'm going to start talking about facts. Um, I decided I wanted to talk about mental illness and homelessness since that was kind of um, a bigger point that was brought up, and uh, especially with choices as well. So um, I'm going to be going off of the things I've been learning in my social work class. Um, <clears throat> sorry, my throat's starting to hurt a little bit, but um. So severe mental illness happens, um, mostly happens after becoming homeless, not in the case beforehand. So this kind of um, breaks the argument or the um, 
the claim that many homeless are um, mentally ill. And yes, there are people who are mentally ill and um, ill and homeless, but other things happen to make them homeless, such as um, things we've already mentioned before, losing housing. Um, sometimes life just happens and um, it kicks you in the ass. So that debunks the claim that um, uh, people become homeless because of mental illness. But um, it's still a problem, though. People who are mentally ill, um, talk, let's talk about depression really quick. But if you're depressed, your your motivation levels are going to take a severe hit mostly, um, or most of the time. And you're going to find it really hard to try to just do things. So if someone's in a really bad situation, like being homeless, and on top of that they're depressed, it's it makes it so incredibly hard for them to actually do things to make the situation better. So, you know, going off of the whole choices thing, I just don't think that's an accurate or good way to explain why people how like, you know, why people are in poverty. I don't think the US is fully meritocracy because life can happen. Um, once again, meritocracy is basically working hard. Um, your result and progress in life is uh, directly uh, impacted by how hard you work. But I just don't think that's the case, um, especially with dealing with so much um, like a mental illness that it hits you hard. Um, you can't control it most times. And I just don't see how that can, how choices can get you out of everything. But um, furthermore, uh, the number of people with a severe mental illness who are um, homeless are 200,000. Uh, that's according to John Hopkins. Uh, so that's, that's a pretty high number. And uh, we've already talked about, I think that's a little bit under half um, the people who are homeless. So think about it in the terms of, um, like the United States. If I told you half of the United States population uh, suffer from mental illness, you would be shocked. And uh, this is still a very serious thing. The quality of life for these people, it, it's very, very low. And um, even if someone did just do bad choices and get themselves in that situation, I don't think people deserve to live in a situation like that especially kids who are born into that um you know they didn't do anything and they already have to deal with this so um i want to talk a little bit uh about mental health as well because um i just want to re um reiterate how it can just you know make things so much worse but you can't control that uh, so i have a <clears throat> statistic here that says one out of two adults with some type of mental illness report that it impairs their ability to function. Um, that's half. <laughs> that's a significant amount. And um, this can impair their ability uh, with focusing problems, uh, like I mentioned before, lack of motivation. And if, if you're homeless, you, you can't afford to have these problems affecting you because it will impair the way you can get out of that. So it, it just seems harsh to say that it's all your choices. Um, 
Furthermore, mental health services in the U.S. are only available to one in eight individuals who need them. So, um, uh, it, it's very likely that homeless people in, um, lower income, working class, uh, lower class, they don't have access to that compared to, um, upper and middle. I've mentioned before how, um, the upper class people will have, will typically have really good health care. Their health care will cover services such as mental health. Um, and mental health services already aren't really a big thing in the U.S. Um, like, they're not going to be covered as much as physical services because um, it's still, mental health still has a stigma around it. Um, and as a society, we are getting better at that. But it's still not enough because people aren't seeking the help they need. Um, furthermore, nearly two-thirds of all people with mental illnesses do not seek treatment. So uh, you best believe that uh, lower class and uh, pe- people who are homeless fit into that. Um, I've already mentioned before, there's a stigma surrounded again, uh, around mental illness. Um, there are, there's social isolation of those with mental health problems. So applying this to homeless lower, um, lower class we talked, Chuck and I talked about, um, people need guidance. People need to know their options. And, um, you know, in his case, he says people need to know how to make the good choices and the bad choices rather than the bad choices. But if you're already, um, isolating yourself socially because of your mental health problems, that's just another challenge that makes it much harder for you in addition to the lack of motivation. And it's, it's definitely a problem. Um, There's also a lack of community support for mental health services. So if you're in a low-income community um, who already struggled to get adequate adequate needs met, um, you're probably not going to get your mental health needs met as well. So this can be very damaging. Um, And as a society, we focus on visible symptoms rather than mental and emotional and uh, obviously with the stress of being in poverty or homeless that's gonna take so much out of you that's gonna take so much energy and drain you and it's um it just makes your life harder so you know having all of that stress on you it's bad. It can cause physical problems, which also leads into the whole, like, not having adequate health care to, you know, take care of your physical problems in addition to your mental problems. So uh, this is a serious problem. Um, <laughs> homelessness in, like, lower class and poverty, it's a serious problem because these people are being put into situations they can't control and they have a low quality of life. And it doesn't seem like there's enough services to help them, which I believe um, we need to work on. And as a future social worker, I'm very interested in going into the mental health field. But the more I learn about situations like this, you know, with the lower class poverty, the more I wonder if I actually want to, you know, work with them rather than mental health illnesses. Or maybe I can work with them regarding mental health illnesses. It's just it's a bit upsetting because there's so many, it's seemingly so many problems in the world and um, just not enough things to fix it. But um, that was my interview with my uh, family relative and I, I really appreciate him doing that. I appreciate everyone 
who has been willing to interview and um, talk about these hard topics. So I will see you next episode.